Rich and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Happy Saturday, everybody. This is Arizona Sports Saturday. It's your weekend stop for live and local sports talk. I'm Mitch. He's Steve. Hello. We got Jesse Morrison behind the glass today, filling in once again for Trevor Henry. What's up? I don't know where he is. Do you know where Trevor Henry is, Jess? Uh, scheduled off day. Ah, that's back-to-back weeks for Trev. Probably holding out. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. He wants a contract. Will though. he be at mandatory minicamp, though? That's the question. <laughs> that is the question. Um, I guess while we're on the subject of you know programming notes, who will be here, who will not be here, I will not be here next week. You will be here, Steve. I plan on it. And then the week after, I will be back, and I assume that you will be there as well. For that first week of June, you pick show. the worst times to be. Gone. I do because we're probably going to have a new Suns head coach by next week. Hey, we might have one by the end of the show at this rate. Um, well, we got some news on that. We'll get to in a second. But go ahead. Yeah, I don't, well, you missed something big a couple of weeks ago. I tend to miss a lot. I of know, big like things the Suns' playoff run. That's what. It, well, yeah. <laughs> well, part we of it. anticipated the Suns' basically playoff the entire run lo- longer, but then what happened? I had was... to prep for the Nuggets series without you. That doesn't seem fair. I guess it would have been nice to have me around for that. Then wouldn't it have been? It would have been. Although not for long, because I probably would have just become insufferable. (laughs) Um, So that news that we teased uh, just a few seconds ago, it is not a coaching hire by the Suns. However, it gives us a lot of insight potentially on what direction the Suns will go. I first want to mention this tweet from Sean Sharania, who put this out and then immediately tweeted out who would be the next head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. He said, sources... After Nick Nurse pulled out of the process, the Milwaukee Bucks are deciding between Toronto Raptors assistant Adrian Griffin, which is who they hired, I'm not going to bury the lead, and Golden State assistant Kenny Atkinson for the franchise's next head coach. Griffin is gaining traction in the process. The only reason I bring that up is the fact that he identified that Nick Nurse pulled out. He's a candidate for the Suns. Correct. Interviewed on, was that Friday? He interviewed, I believe, Thursday Thursday it was. Thursday. That was from our own Gambo. He said that he was in the Valley on Thursday interviewing for the job. So the question is, why did Nick Nurse pull out of the Bucks process? There's two reasons I can think of that you would pull out of the process. One is you don't think you're getting the job. So why be a part of the process? Uh huh. So is there a chance that they told him, hey, we've narrowed it down to you know two other guys? But then I don't think you would call it him pulling out of the process. You would just say he was eliminated. So more likely, Nick Nurse could be getting another gig that he likes better. Could. Or he has assurances in another place, one of them possibly being Phoenix. Isn't he also interviewing in uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia? The real process, so I'm told. So either one of those gigs might be Nick Nurse's to lose. I wonder if he knew for a fact that he didn't want the Bucks job, but he was elated to be interviewed for the Bucks job. Do you know what I mean? Like, you brought up the thought that, oh, he's probably not going to get hired anyway. And I remember Gambo saying earlier in the week that they were probably leaning Griffin in Milwaukee. I remember him talking about that because I guess Giannis is a is a really big fan of Adrian Griffin and was really pushing for Adrian Griffin. So it looks like the star player got the head coach he wanted. If Nick Nurse knew that, but if Nick Nurse was also just going to show up to say, hey, I interviewed or it looks good that I'm interviewing and maybe I can create leverage with Philadelphia and Phoenix, it feels like a power play move almost. You were a rookie head coach at one point with Toronto, a longtime assistant with Toronto, led them to their first ever NBA championship and have still maintained a great status as a head coach. It hasn't worked out well the past couple of seasons, 
but you still have that status quo and that level of competitiveness and coaching ability that a lot of teams crave for. And there's a lot of competitive teams right now, a lot of really, really good record teams from this past season that would love to have a former champion head coach like Nurse. But are the Suns that team? Yeah, I don't know. And where are they at in their process? We don't know the answer to that either. They interviewed two candidates on Thursday. That would have been Nurse and Jordy Jordy Fernandez, Fernandez. King's assistant. Friday, they interviewed two longtime head coaches, Doc Rivers and Frank Vogel. Mm Mm-hmm. And we know that Kevin Young is still a part of the process. Reportedly, he had gotten the first interview, uh, or at least one of the earliest interviews. They had already talked to him. He's already employed by the Suns, so I suppose that they're trying to do right by him. Um, Because there's a lot of factors that go into that, by the way. They might give him the last opportunity to talk, uh, meaning they've already finished their interviews with the other candidates. Let's go talk to Kevin Young again and make sure we want to get this thing right. Um, but also, too, you got to keep in mind, if they go with a nurse or if they go with one of the other candidates that's not Kevin Young, now you got to figure out what do you do with Kevin Young because he might get a job somewhere else. It's possible. And does the new head coach want Kevin Young on their staff? I would think that he would be a good candidate to stay as an assistant coach under a Nick Nurse or someone else because of how good he is as an assistant coach and how he could be a future head coach in this league. But at the same time, do you tell your new, brand new head coach, you have to keep Kevin Young? That's a hard thing to go through and something that we talk all the time. We talked about that with Jonathan Gannon. Are you really going to tell Jonathan Gannon he has to keep Vance Joseph Mm -hmm. or any coach they had hired? So it, it is an interesting dynamic. And quite frankly, it could happen very quickly. Could happen today. Could happen tomorrow or on Memorial Day even. Just just from what Gambo has been reporting, I'm getting the impression this could take another week. A whole week. More so sometime, if if they do it before the finals, they would do it before the finals. Do they care about the final schedule? No, but I'm sure the league does. So I'm like sure the, the, would I, the league go to the Suns and say, hey, get this done. Get this done now well, or wait your turn. Let's put it this way. Do you think the league wants to further take away eyeballs from what is probably going to be a lowly viewed NBA finals at this rate? Because it's Denver and possibly Miami. Yeah. Like... Even the, if the Celtics make it, you're the still... The casual NBA fan is probably not screaming and jumping off of the couch like I am for this NBA Finals. Like so, I am else. so excited for this NBA Finals. Either way. But either there, way. there are other head coaching openings. Right. So is the league going to go to every team that has a head coaching opening and say, hey, uh, mind your P's and Q's while we do an NBA Finals, okay. and then you can do what you okay, want? Okay, well, let's compare it to the Cardinals situation. Granted, it's slightly different because they were hosting the Super Bowl. But they were also the last team to hire a head coach, along with the Colts. And they both waited until after the Super Bowl, even that whole week. Right. They waited until the week after the Super Bowl was done to even announce anything or to even leak anything. Like, hell, we didn't even know the day before Gannon got hired that Gannon was a serious candidate. Sometimes you just learn things at the last second. Yeah, that was part of it. I also felt, too, that the Cardinals probably missed out on some candidates that they were interested in. I mean, there was the Sean Payton. Well, of course they did. There but was all the Sean Payton stuff. Maybe there was personal right. reason for that. Because other teams jumped on those prospects quicker. And, and the same thing can be talked about here with the Suns situation. They're interviewing Nick Nurse, who was a part of the Bucks conversation, no longer is. But he's still a part of the Philadelphia conversation. So if you're the Suns and you really want Nick Nurse, if that's the number one on your list, you do kind of have to be timely if you want that guy in particular. If you make up your mind, if Matt Ishbia and James Jones this weekend decide Nick Nurse is the guy we want, you got to make sure that you get to him before Philadelphia does. 
So that that timing matters a lot more to me than, hey, is the NBA Finals on this week? That's that's my opinion. And maybe on the it's different because it stretches out to potentially seven games, but I still think that the league would want the attention to be on their their main stage product, don't you? Yeah. Also, whereas because this is not like a hiring cycle of a bunch of teams that fired coaches because they were incompetent or the teams were terrible. These are four really good teams. I think it's fair to ask how much attention does a coaching hire in Phoenix really draw from an NBA Finals? Is that really that? Detrimental to the NBA Finals, well, like the how TV much does, ratings. How or much anything? does a coaching hire draw away from the Super Bowl? Does it at all? Not much. Well, then why did they have to wait a full week? Uh, that, that's my point. I don't think that they do affect the Super Bowl that much, or do affect the NBA Finals. Well, that I mean, much. in general, if nothing else, it gives them something to talk about in the commercial breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, when they go to the halftime show, Charles Barkley can weigh in on that instead of whatever man, game is going man, on. Man, let me tell you what, it was terrible hard. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I don't think that if the Suns hire Kevin Young, that that's this huge headline that takes all this attention away from the NBA Finals. Or even if it's Nick Nurse, or even if it's Doc Rivers, probably the most uh, established coach in their coaching search. I don't think that any hire of these five candidates would outshine the NBA Finals. So why would I care? I do find it interesting that Milwaukee did this as quickly as they did. Me too. They kind of had a month. Me too. Right? Because it feels like forever ago when they were eliminated by Miami. But they essentially have had a month to figure this out. And it came down to a candidate that I don't think any other teams were really interviewing. Did they interview more the Suns. than just Griffin, Nurse, and... Uh, There's a mention of Kenny Atkinson from Kenny Atkinson's report. I don't know who else they would have interviewed. Because if it was only would those three candidates... they have interviewed Doc? I don't know. I think if they wanted to talk to Doc, they would have talked to Doc. And maybe they did, and we just don't know about it. But I, it, what's interesting is while Nurse is getting several interviews around the league, I haven't seen anything else about Kenny Atkinson, a no. coach that I like a lot, by there, the way. There was a Chris Haynes report that connected into the Suns. Nothing that Gambo has been able to either confirm right. or deny. So it's a, I don't know. I feel and like I haven't this, seen Griffin's name around no. a lot either. I so the like Bucks it, must have known who they wanted to talk it's to. It's got to be between the five guys that we've named for the Suns. Kings assistant Jordy Fernandez, yeah. former Lakers head coach Frank Vogel, former 76ers head coach Doc Rivers, former Raptors head coach Nick Nurse, and then Suns lead assistant Kevin Young. It's probably going to be one of those five, or there's the miraculous candidate that appears out of nowhere the day before, and that's who they wanted to hire all along. When was the last year Frank Vogel coached the Pacers? The Pacers? Oof. Um, that would have been 18 or 17? He, because like, he was he hired by the Lakers for the 1920 season. So let's see. Last year with the Pacers was 16, the 15 16 season, because oh, he went wow. to Orlando for two years. Okay. Um, I was just curious if he was in Indiana at the time that they would have shown some early interest in DeAndre Ayton. No. But no, that, was, no. that came later. I don't even think Ayton was drafted at that point. No, that came later. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, but that's the latest news. Why uh, did Nick Nurse pull out? The Milwaukee Bucks are hiring former Raptors assistant Adrian Griffin as their next head coach. So there's now four teams left looking for their next head coach, one of them being the Suns, the others being the 76ers, the Toronto Raptors, and the Detroit Pistons. But again, the the wrinkle that Steve and I are looking at most is from Sham Sharania's report recently where he says that Nick Nurse essentially pulled out of the process for the hiring of the Bucks job. Is that because he's a front runner for the Suns job? Coming up next, the sports world was shocked when the news came down yesterday. Or were we?
shocked. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. To me, it didn't seem like an outcome at all either. And at that time, when I said it, the Cardinals were having trade talks. They had trade talks all the way through to the draft, really all up until, I would say, Wednesday night. And, you know, there were definitely times before the draft when I thought he was going to get traded. Ian Rappaport talking about the big news yesterday. DeAndre Hopkins cut by the Arizona Cardinals. A bit surprising when you consider that most of the fan base assumed he would be traded during this offseason, whether it's pre-June 1st, post-June 1st, pre-draft, post-draft. We've had all those conversations. And we've talked quite a lot, Mitch, about the value of DeAndre Hopkins and how you weren't likely to get a Tyreek Hill package, a Devontae Adams package, because there are a lot of question marks. There's some red on the ledgers, so to speak. DeAndre Hopkins missed a lot of games, especially last year with a suspension, didn't play the last two games of the season when a lot of the staff thought that he probably could have. Um, doesn't have great practice habits. In, in fairness has a to Hopkins, big contract to that last comment. In fairness to Hopkins, they were so far out of the playoff race. What what purpose was him? I agree playing? with that. I agree with that. But as you know, it's different how I feel than how a teammate might feel. Sure, because the teammate sees it and says, "Dude, even if we are out of it statistically, I'm busting my butt. Why aren't you busting your butt?" And if you're able to play, you should play. I mean, they were down so many bodies throughout the year. Like Kyler, of course, had totally the ACL tear towards the end of the year. Uh, James Conner was in and out of the lineup. The offensive line was absolutely decimated last year. And look, I'm not trying to make excuses. The team the team was awful last year. Yeah. Outside of the fact that they struggled to stay healthy, they were awful from the get-go. That I, week one game against the Chiefs basically set the tone for the entire season. And I think they're coming to the conclusion that they're probably going to have a down year this year. Just with the way everything is set up, Kyler Murray is set to miss games, whether that's half a season or more or maybe a little less. You're not going to have your starting quarterback to start the year, and you just lost J.J. Watt to retirement. Your offensive line is pretty much in shambles at this point. I know they drafted Paris Johnson, which is great, but you know Rodney Hudson retires. There's so many questions around them that I think they looked at this scenario and they said, it's okay if we just eat the cap space for this upcoming 2023 season because we're probably not going to be very good to begin with. You know, it's funny because at the time, Rappaport, because he was on with Pat McAfee after the news broke, because the news broke after he was off air on his uh, programming on NFL Network. So he hopped on with Pat McAfee after the news. And at the time, we we didn't really have a full understanding of why Hopkins was cut. But what Rappaport said, and I laugh only because of what is pointed out at the end of this cut. Listen closely. He's obviously not going to get paid the $19.5 million that he would have made from the Cardinals this year. That was really never going to happen for any team. He was willing to take less. He was willing to take an incentive-laden deal. The problem is... You had to adjust the salary. Then there was the draft pick compensation. Then there was talk of maybe the Cardinals eating some money. They didn't seem to want to eat money for a guy they were saying goodbye to anyway. So basically what they did was at some point, they said, you know what? We have tried everything to trade him. We cannot trade him. We are not going to pay $19.5 million this year in what could be a rebuilding-ish year for the Cardinals. So today, they just released him. (laughs) Ish. AJ Hawk dropping a casual ish uh, on the rebuilding ish year. No, no, I no. love how they talk on that show while other people are talking. Oh, it's so great! You can hear Pat in the in the background. He's like, "What? <laughs> Wait." <laughs> hey, there what? was a different cut where they're talking about ish. where should he go and like maybe a team that's one step away. And Pat McAfee the whole time just says Colts. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, because he's a big homer. So Gambo had gotten this information yesterday as well. Albert Breer was able to like consolidate it for me in a single tweet. Okay. The Chiefs and the Bills were the only ones to have substantive trade talks with Hopkins and Arizona. As the case was with Kansas City, the contract was an issue for Buffalo. So they tried to trade him. But if you're sending somebody a $19 million, you know, cap hit or 22, whatever it was, 19 in cap, 19 million in cash basically this year. Yeah. He would have had to have adjusted his contract. And the reporting goes, he didn't want to do that. If anything, I think he wanted a raise. I know that Ian mm-hmm. Rappaport said there he was willing to take an incentive-laden deal. I don't know if what the truth to that is. I'm not saying he's making that up or whatever, but Hoppe obviously wanted to get paid. He wanted to get paid what his contract was, if not more. And while, yeah, he wants to go to a contender, that's obvious. Uh, I think he kind of did some of this to himself by not allowing them to work out a cheaper deal for well, him. Well, here's what also threw a wrench into the whole thing. Kansas City had made progress, but Odell Beckham Jr.'s deal of a $15 million base salary more or less blew that progress up. Well, if he Odell set, gets 15, I should out, get 20. Sat out the whole year with an ACL injury. Yep. Got signed by the Ravens to 15 a year. I think it's just a one-year deal. But essentially, once that happened, Hopkins probably looked at the market and said, I'm definitely worth that. It set the bar. I'm not going to sacrifice 19 this year if Odell is getting 15 coming off of an ACL tear. And what's interesting about it is this scenario, while it's it, it's going to work out fine for Hop. It's not like he's hurting for cash. Uh, he's going to get to go to a contender. He's going to get to play guy, for he needs money. Yeah, he, he's basically a free agent. <laughs> so things are going to work out for him. But if you want to think about it this way, there's a big difference between cap and cash, right? So the Cardinals are going to have a big cap hit this season for DeAndre Hopkins, but they don't actually pay him any cash. They don't actually give right. him nineteen million dollars. They're just not allowed to use they're just not allowed to spend million dollars in <laughs> spending this year. Right. So they're like, we would rather take the big cap hit than actually give you money to play for us. That's how you have to look at it. And for it's DeAndre Hopkins, Cotton. let's see if it pays off for him as an individual. Yeah, he gets to go pick where he plays. He might get to play with Patrick Mahomes. He might get to play with Josh Allen. He might get to win a Super Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, is he going to be able to get 19 million? Now is a bad time to be a free agent wide receiver and the only good one on the market because other teams have already sold out, out their, their cap receiver space. rooms, drafted all their who they're going to draft. Like they got to pay those guys. Burnsy, I think it was Burnsy or it was Gambo, brought up a great point the other day. What happens if a big name receiver gets injured during during um, training camp on a different team? Well, you then have Hopkins DeAndre Hopkins that you could have traded if well, he lasts that long. Well, guess what? You don't have that anymore. Oh, you mean if the Cardinals had kept him? So if the Cardinals had kept Hopkins, yeah, and let's say. Let's use the Chargers as a random example because he's mentioned Justin Herbert. He'd love to catch passes from Justin Herbert. Let's say Keenan Allen goes down with an injury during training camp. Hey, here's DeAndre Hopkins. We know you need a receiver. You can take him. You've got the money. You can spend it on him if you want it. Well, guess what? Now you don't have that anymore. The hard part is if somebody else's wide receiver goes down, Let's that that team will have already figured out their cap situation. They will likely not have nineteen million dollars in room to spend on a new player. You can't just trade Hopkins straight up for, let's say, a draft pick. Yep. Because that team has probably already figured out their cap. They've already got the salaries figured out for the year. Can they really afford to take on a star number one wide receiver salary in the middle of training camp? Not a lot of teams can, especially contending teams. So I think if you're the Cardinals, you're looking at that scenario you just laid out and you're saying that doesn't feel likely. 
So why risk having him around and paying him that $19, $20 million in cash when in a year where I've got to pay for Cliff Kingsbury and that mistake that we made, I've got to pay Kyler Murray's signing bonus, which I think is like $36 million. I've got quarter of a billion dollars going his way, Kyler's way, in the next couple of years. I got to make up for any other financial things. I, I still got to figure out J.J. Watt and Rodney Hudson just retired. Those caps go over the next two seasons at least. So in a year where you are strapped for cash and you know it's probably going to be a down year to begin with, they're like, okay, let's just save the eight, nine million dollars in cash that we can by dumping Hopkins now, even if it means we don't get any draft value for him. It just sucks because they don't get any value for him. Totally sucks. But you know what? They saved money. Great. It's not important to you and me. It's important to the ownership. That has to factor in. I know it factors in. It's just a very frustrating end to what was supposed to be an exciting addition for this team. You think about it. That year one, 2020, COVID year, when Steve Kime pulled off the heist of a century at the time. It's a big trade. It's a huge trade. Didn't have to give up a first rounder. Dumped a worthless contract in David Johnson. You made off like bandits. And then you, Johnson in a second for Hopkins in a fourth. And then I think there I was think a the late fourths were flip. swapped, but they yeah. also get it's something like that. Meticulous matter. Whatever. Basically a second round pick for Hopkins. The point is you made off like bandits. Then you extended him and he gave you nothing after that first year. The guy who had never missed football games, as A.J. Green put it, well, he missed quite a few games. Some of them not by his choice. Some of them by his choice when he got popped for illegal substances. It's a very frustrating end to a tenure that I'm sure a lot of Cardinals fans wish that they had gotten more out of, not just from him on the field, but as a result, now him just being cut. And you know what? That factors into why they didn't get what they wanted in a trade. Because other teams have to, they think about it the same way you just laid it out. They're thinking, I don't know if this guy's readily available. I don't know. I know he's still good, but I'm going to have to pay a lot of money for a guy who's missed almost half the games in the last two seasons, wasn't very reliable, doesn't have good practice habits. And if you're a team like the Chiefs or the Bills and you're a contending team anyway, you probably neglect the, the practice habits. You're like, I don't really care how much he practices. Just catch touchdowns and we'll be fine. But if you're a team like the Cardinals or any other team in the league that's looking to build a culture... That's probably not the guy that you're going to build your culture around. And so that's what made it difficult for them to trade him. I think the Cardinals probably drew a line in the sand and said, if we can get a first, a second, a third round pick for the guy, we'll consider doing that and taking the cap hit. But if we can't get what we want, we're not going to take a sixth round pick and eat that cap over the next couple of years. So I wonder if they dug the line in the sand a little deeper than most of us expected them to. Yeah, it's just a question of where. And what could they have gotten versus what did they decide not to take? Coming up next, speaking of the Cardinals, Buda Baker is speaking for the first time this offseason. How does the Cardinals defensive leader feel about his place in this organization? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Vereldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That's us, Mitch, Steve. We got Jesse behind the glass keeping us company today. We are in the auction community studios on this Arizona Sports Saturday. And I'm feeling good because I got to hear the lovely, lovely voice of Buddha Baker yesterday, Steve. Ah, what's he been up to? Um getting first, trim. So first of all, 
credit where credit is absolutely due. Cam Cox with Channel 12 and the Channel 12 Sports Division Department, however it's properly phrased, they got an exclusive one-on-one with Buda Baker. They were kind enough to tweet out a snippet of it yesterday. That full interview is going to be on Channel 12 Sunday evening. I believe at around 10 is what Cam said. That's what we call a tease in the business. So if you want to watch the full interview... Highly endorse Cam and the hard work he put in to get this interview together. And nice highly, job, Cam. Highly appreciative of Cam Cox for the work that he did because, boy, am I glad to hear this. Oh, yeah, of course. I'll be there when it's time to be there. Um, so, you know, when it's time to be there, I'll be there smiling, same same regular guy that I am, and, uh, you know, just excited to see those guys again. All right. Ready? Okay. <sighs> Could have been bad. So here's the thing. Buda Baker says, yeah, when it's time for mandatory camp, I'll be there. When I'm supposed to be there, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he doesn't have frustrations with this organization oh, or his contract. He didn't hide that. No, yeah. That was just one soundbite I played of three, but continue. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just saying, like, the last we, we really heard of Buda. I mean, we knew the contract thing was, was a thing, right? He wants to be paid, like, the best safety in he the league. He tweeted it out himself. Yeah. Remember the well, one... kind of, kind of. The one most visceral moment of the Hard Knocks series last year was Buda Baker in the locker room at one point, middle of the year, by the way, and they had gone through several losses in a row, and Buda, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically just yelled out, man, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of this losing, y'all. Again, he said y'all. I didn't say y'all. And uh, even though I'm from Texas, I'm allowed to say y'all. Buda Baker, that's like the biggest moment we remember from him last season is in the TV show Showing behind the scenes the emotion of the losses, it eats away at him. He doesn't want to go through a rebuild this year. Of course not. He doesn't treat 2023 as, well, okay, uh, let's retool and get the number one pick and we'll go get a quarterback. He's not looking at any of this like that. Whoa, yeah, no, that's not exciting. Buda Baker wants to win every game this season. Even outside of just the iconic speech that made its rounds, even before the episode came out, there was the at-home visit with Buddha. Two more opportunities, and, to- and this is done until next year. Two more weeks, 14 days. That's all we got, and it's over. This team is never going to be the same again. Let's work at work starting tomorrow. Love y'all. Let's stay together. Family on three. One, two, three. Yeah, that's not I think that was the wrong one. That's, yeah. that's my bad. Uh, uh, yeah, never Definitely mind. Definitely not the one I was thinking of, but along the same lines. And we got to meet his sister. We did. We got to know just what a competitor he was. Remember, that's how we found out that he actually high-sprained his ankle in that one game. I believe it was against the Eagles, was it, last year or whenever it was, and he just kept playing. Like, we learned about the dog that Buda Baker is. Yeah. Buda Baker got that dog in him. He's the heart and soul of the team. And to think that he wants out because this team didn't give him the respect that he wants, or at least that's how it was phrased, he was asked about that, courtesy of Cam Cox, and he kind of deferred to not say too much, and he's just letting his team handle it. For me, personally, I'm just, you know, letting the business aspect handle the business aspect, letting my agent handle all that type of stuff, and um, like I said, just continuing to have tunnel vision on my work ethic and, uh, you know, being the best person I can be outside of football as well, and just enjoying life, enjoying this offseason, enjoying working hard each and every day, and, uh, you know, just excited to go back and, you know, play football again. So, for me, it's just control what you can control, let the business aspect, let them handle that, and uh, continue to just work, just work hard. Buddha doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to hold out. 
And I'm not trying to say that he wouldn't stand up for himself. I think that he, instead of being the, uh, what's a famous holdout? Darrell Rivas. Remember that holdout <laughs> years and years ago? That was because he knew what he was worth, and he's like, I ain't playing for you until you pay me the way that I want to get paid. He put himself on Rivas Island. Basically. I think Buddha is the opposite. I think he wants to go out there and continue to show you day in and day out that he deserves what he's asking for. And if you don't pay me what I'm worth, what I deserve, I'm going to go out tomorrow and I'm going to show the entire world that you're not paying me the way you should. And you're going to feel bad about it. I'm going to guilt trip you into paying me what I'm worth because I'm proving it every single day. It's not a common mindset. It's actually the rarity. It's the exception to the rule. But I think that's who Buda Baker is. He wants to go out there and prove you wrong every second that he's on a football field. I don't think he'll be a holdout. I really don't. No, I I think the other part of it is he doesn't make enough money to his character to be able to hold out. Like once you start holding out of mandatory stuff, you get fined. Sure. Like, we had this whole conversation about Kyler Murray last year. Like, how far is he willing to go to hold out before he starts making less money than he's worth, basically? And right? ticking off your teammates. Exactly. And coaching staff. So, I don't think Buddha's in a position where he's about to, you know, piss off his st- his teammates or anything. He's a captain. He wants to be seen as a captain. He's a leader. Like... He's going to fight for what he deserves, but he's also going to go out and be a consummate professional and do his job. He didn't have to show up to voluntary OTAs earlier this week. Okay? He doesn't have to be there. He'll be there when he needs to be there, in his phrasing. I will point out this. Um, The Cardinals did just uh, free up some cap room. With the Hopkins situation? If they want to extend him. Yeah, I think they saved, like, what, $9 million or in cash? In cash, I'm talking about. I think it was nineteen. Nineteen and nineteen is the cap in cash. The cap. I think hit. the cap is twenty two. Oh, okay. They're saving nineteen in cash. Is that right? I don't think any money was Holy left cow. guaranteed on Hopkins's deal. So just saying, either way, sounds like there's some money available if yeah, they want to yeah. use it. No, it's a good point. So do you use some of that to appease Buda Baker in the form of a bonus, in the form of an extension? <laughs> is a bonus going to be satisfactory? I don't think it is. Just like, hey, here's a here's a heap of money. Now keep playing on your current deal, yeah, which I believe has two years left. That's right the now. thing. Usually they look for an extension because that's job security, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, signing bonuses come in cash money the next day. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's something and who to be said for that. Who doesn't love cash money the next day? <laughs> who, right. who doesn't love that? So two years. So he's got this year, which he's owed thirteen. Uh, is his base salary. So here's what he would want. And I don't think he has anything guaranteed next what's year. What's so his that's salary? That's probably why he's fighting for this. What's his salary this coming season? His base salary is 13. He'd be a cap hit of 16.8. So let's say he wants to be paid top dollar for a safety. Let's say that's, I don't know what the top safety in the league is, but let's say it's like 16, right? I, I think it's a lot more, and that's probably why okay. he's fighting. Maybe it's a lot more. I'm but, just trying to remember who the, who was the last significant safety to get paid. Uh, it's miss, it's missing me at the moment, but continue. Jamal Adams makes a lot of money. Give, bring your, give me your point. So I would think that what you would do is you would extend him for a season or two at a salary that is top-notch in the league, highest in the league probably, but then also you would have to throw him a bonus this year and next that equates to getting his salary over the next two seasons into that same echelon. So you would pay him, I don't know, I'm just making up numbers here, but let's say four or five million this year, four or five million next year in the form of a bonus. 
so that he gets it within the next two seasons. And then you're extending him a couple of years, giving him job security at a highest salary in the league at his position. Does that get it done? Maybe. Is that outlandish? Do we want the Cardinals to do that? Do we want to be doling out top dollar for a safety in a year where the Cardinals are probably going to have a down year? So I don't know. That's a fair question to ask. According to Spot Track, and this is by Contract AAV, Buda Baker's not in the top five currently. Okay. The top five are Derwin James at 19.1, Minka Fitzpatrick at 18.4, Jamal Adams, as you mentioned, at 17.6, Jesse Bates at 16, and Harrison Smith at 16. So if he wants to be the top paid safety in the league, give him a two-year extension where in both of those years he's making 19, 19 and a half, something like that, and then you give him five or six million in each of the next two seasons to get his salary up to that level. It feels like he's trying to push for... a lot of money. He feels like he's trying to push for like... 18 to 19. But you know what? The other factor in this, too, we talked about with DeAndre Hopkins, is when you cut that guy, part of it is about culture, right? And that all the moves Monty Austin Ford has made so far and Jonathan Gannon, they're trying to build a brand new culture in the organization. Literally brand new. I barely know who's on this team right now. If there's a culture you're aiming for and it's embodied in one player in the Cardinals locker room, who is that player? It's Buda Baker. Buda Baker. If there's one guy who I'm building my team culture around, it's that guy. So even if he does play a non-premium position at safety, I'd much rather pay this money to a uh, an outside edge rusher who's going to get me 15, 20 sacks a season or a corner who's going to you know be a total lockdown corner. But I'm willing to make this amount of commitment to Buda Baker if I'm building my entire organizational culture around him. The and com- that's the kid I want to do it with. The comp has been brought up, brought up several times, and I'm sure on more than just the Burns and Gambo show. I'm sure with every show. It's the Larry Fitzgerald comp. You keep him around because you want him around, and we're going to overpay you just for the sake of keeping you around. Like the $11 million he was making per season at yeah, the end. It, he wasn't Fitz worth 11 was nowhere but. near worth $11 million a year. But that's a good comp. You need Larry Fitzgerald on your team for the sake of he's Larry Fitzgerald. You need Buda Baker on your team like you needed Larry Fitzgerald on your team then, like you need Buda now. And explain it to him. Hey, this year's probably going to suck, right? It'll take a mental toll on you. It'll take a physical toll on you. And there's probably not going to be a lot of reward at the end. But we're going to give you this reward for being around and being a part of the change and the next step forward. Good? Sound good? Crunchy, groovy? And you're going to be a huge part of what we have become... I mean, two years from now, he's been a huge part, of course, but you're going to be the biggest part. Who knows? Well, either him or whoever the quarterback's going to be coming up next. Diamondbacks. Big decision looming. Or is it a big decision looming? We'll talk about it next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Arizona Diamondbacks have not been afraid to make difficult decisions this year. They DFA'd a three-time World Series champ in Madison Bumgarner. He probably deserved that. Uh, They sent down Jake McCarthy when he wasn't hitting well. He's back, by the way. They sent down Alec Thomas, another pivotal piece of their outfield, uh, at a time when he wasn't hitting. So they've made difficult decisions already because they're trying to be competitive right now. And now there's another big decision looming. And it's one that, quite frankly, could happen any moment. Uh, We know that Zach Davies is back. 
Mm-hmm. He's going to be pitching this afternoon. I believe mm-hmm. the game is what, 3.30? It's, it's 4.15. Thank, Thank you, Thank you. So if he's going to be pitching in, what is that, four and a half hours from now, that means they're going to have to send somebody down. Now, that could be Tommy Henry. It could be Ryan Nelson, who's been up this whole season so far. Uh, it could be Brandon Fott, who got lit up last night. But let's be real. I think we know where this conversation is headed. He struggled last night mightily. Fought. Fought. Brandon Fought did. Struggled mightily last night. And I get it. Nothing is official. But at the same time, if you're looking at it from an optic, it's not the right word. Maybe it is the right word. I don't know. If you're looking at it from an optic standpoint, he's had the least experience at the big league level and his big league time has not been amazing. So send him back to AAA, get him you know, incubated a little bit longer down in Reno and then bring him back when he's fully ready or when you fully need him. And that's not like me endorsing fully Tommy Henry or Ryan Nelson, but if we're talking recency bias, Tommy Henry had a nearly quality start against the Phillies. Ryan Nelson did have a quality start against the Phillies, one that was blown, unfortunately. But, or no, that was the gallon start, my bad. But at the same time, if they're pitching at that level and they're going to do it consistently, you need that consistency. And Brandon Fott has not been consistent right now. Yeah, I think he probably makes the most sense, especially timing-wise. He just pitched yesterday, so you send him down. It's not like you're relying upon him on the next two or three starts anyway. Um, so he's probably the guy to get sent down, and he can use some more seasoning. I think that's clear. He's got unbelievable talent. His slider is one of the nastiest on, in this organization, Look, that's we, for sure. We agree he's important to the future of this team. He is. He Does is. he need to be here right now? Not necessarily. There we go. And they've felt that way about several players. I mean, do we both agree that Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy are big pieces of this team going forward? Mm -hmm. Both of them got sent down at different times. Trey Jameson? Sent down. Still not back yet. That one's a little... Well, I guess at the same time they have the starting pitching depth they need, but for someone who was apparently strapped bullpen-wise, I'm shocked they didn't have a taxi man ready to go. There's also another angle to this for me. At some point, with how many young guys you have, whether it's in the outfield, in your starting rotation, you do have to let some of these guys figure it out when they struggle at the major league level because they're going to. Mm -hmm. Inevitably, everybody struggles at some point. Zach Gallen's first two starts of the season were not good. He struggled in his first couple of starts. You have to let some of these guys figure it out at the major league level. Now, I'm not saying that means that they should keep Brandon fought up and he should work through this. Maybe they send him down, but what about the Dominic Fletcher situation earlier this week? Mm-hmm. They call Jake back up because he's hitting quite well in AAA in the Jake's last week or two. Jake's doing what he's supposed to at AAA. Yeah, he's been very, very good. He's made adjustments, and while everybody pretty much hits well at Reno, uh, they feel confident he's figured out some things and that they could bring him back. Totally cool with that. But why did they send Dominic Fletcher down, a guy who is playing incredible defense, whether it's in the corner or in center field in particular in the last two weeks? And a guy who was hitting pretty effectively, albeit not in the last seven days or so. But it's another one of those things where they have to make these difficult decisions of, okay, how do we play the hot hand? We've got so many outfielders that we can rotate through. We've got so many young starting pitchers we can rotate through. How do we play the hot hand while also allowing those young guys to make adjustments when they struggle at the major league level without fear that, oh my gosh, I'm on my way back to Reno? You know, it's funny. I kind of parallel it to you and I are in a a fantasy baseball league together with some other colleagues. 
First place, baby. It's, <laughs> Sorry, it's, I had to throw it, that it's kind of an aggressive league, wouldn't you say? Uh, are you calling me aggressive? No, 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 no. I'm not saying individuals are aggressive. I'm saying the style of play that we have, which yeah. is rotisserie for those that don't know. It is. Yeah. It's an aggressive style of play. It's hard. The reason being is because you have to have players that are consistently playing at a good level and contributing almost every day. Yeah. The Diamondbacks are kind of taking the same approach. They ain't messing around this year. If somebody's struggling, they are very quick to trigger and say, yeah, we're going to need you to stay away for a little we, bit. We got this other guy in Reno who's hitting well in the last week. And you're, you're not, not in, hitting well You're not in week. trouble. You're not in trouble. Yeah. We still trust you. We still want you. You're still on this team. But you're, you're, you're being a detriment to us right now. And we need the help. And look, to the Diamondbacks' credit, it's worked. Yeah. Move on from Madison Bumgarner. You've got a... Solid five-man rotation right now, taking the place of all of that. You, uh, I don't know if I'd say solid. You had to send down Jake McCarthy. Dominic Fletcher had a really awesome two-week stretch for the Snakes. He cooled off, but really awesome two-week stretch. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has done a pretty solid job on a 17-game hitting streak when Alec Thomas had to be sent down. There's guys that are making the most of their time at the big league level when there is those I'm not going to overblow it, but times of crisis. Well, and that's the big league part of the equation, right, is how do those guys perform when we call them up? How are guys performing when they are sent down? Because in September, they sent Alec Thomas down, and he figured things out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Jake McCarthy got sent down twice last season and figured it out both times in Reno. They sent McCarthy down a couple of weeks ago. He figured it out. He's back up. They sent Alec Thomas down. He went four for five the next day. (laughs) So part of the equation, you're right, is how are these guys doing when we bring them up? But another part of the equation is how do these players respond to being told you're not on the major league team right now? You can't help us more than this other guy can. We're going to go with him. But if you figure it out in your day job at AAA Reno, then maybe we'll talk again. And I'm not saying they word it that way, but that's no, but no, that can no. be the message that some players receive that message and they never make it back because they think, oh, man, they don't want me there or or they, they'd rather have Jake than me. If you're Dominic Fletcher, uh, they'd rather have Zach Davies than me. If you're, let's say, Brandon Falk gets sent down or Tommy Henry, none of these guys should look at it that way. They should be looking at it as, OK, this is an opportunity for me to prove I belong there and I'll be back. Because this is a competitive team, and we're going to make a lot of moves this season. It's also just a very crowded position group for the Diamondbacks is outfield. Oh, yeah. Especially given Crazy that, crowd. Given that they traded away Dalton Varsho, who they essentially converted into an outfielder, and a really damn good outfielder at that. Struggling so far with Toronto, but in reality, they made that trade because they needed the catcher, and... Guriel is a good depth piece for them, at least on the surface. He's become much more than that. He's become like their best hitter. He's but, probably one of the best hitters in baseball. But they make the that month. move because of a lacking in some other positional depth, right? And look, it's paid off because Carson Kelly got hurt, freak accident in spring training. He's going to be out for a lot longer than we thought he was going to be. And Moreno has been a big part of keeping things steady Along with Jose Herrera, he deserves his credit too. But Moreno's done a great job of keeping things steady at that position, not just offensively, but defensively. And I think that's something that really matters a lot to the Diamondbacks. It's not just the offensive production, but what can you do defensively? There's more outfield depth than you might even realize. So you're talking about Gurriel being one of the best in the league at hitting in let's the last... Let's say he's in left field right Let's now. say left field. Corbin Carroll's in that outfield somewhere, whether it's center or right, depending on who plays center. Mm-hmm. Jake McCarthy's back. He's in the mix. Pavin Smith's been up for the majority of the season, and he technically counts as an outfielder, although he DHs quite Listed a bit. Listed as a DH, but yes, outfield. Technically an outfielder. 
Uh, Alec Thomas is sitting in AAA. Dominic Fletcher just went back to AAA. We haven't even talked about Dominic Canzone, who's not even on the 40-man roster, but might be the best hitter out of all of them. Right. This Don't forget Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis is coming back from his mysterious viral illness. <laughs> Supposedly. Uh, I mean, that's the point is that we just named eight outfielders. This team has the best problem to have, which is organizational depth at a pivotal position. Can they just have like 10 players on the field at the same time? You know, Little League Baseball, you would have a right center fielder and a left center fielder. Petition the league. Come on. Well, I mean, they do have 10 guys participating. They do have a DH and a pitcher. So that's 10. Yeah. If you want that to be. I don't know how the shift rules play into all that, too. So. Be honest. Yeah. Or, yeah, three infielders, four outfielders. Is that yeah. illegal? Why not? <laughs> He's got to stand right over second base. He can't cross it. I, I just think this is a really good problem to have. Their farm system is not highly rated anymore. But that doesn't, well, the it's farm not a bad the, thing. The farm is in the big leagues now. Exactly. That's part of the McCarthy issue. McCarthy came up. Thomas came up. Carroll came up. Uh, help me figure out the rest. Gabriel Moreno was a top prospect, but he was always seen never as never really in their system. But he's up. Yeah, he was never in the farm really for them. Geraldo Perdomo. Perdomo, dude, Perdomo's their best player this oh, he's season. Been awesome. I mean, Gurriel is their best because he's got more of a sample size. But, sure, but Perdomo's been unbelievable. Now, if they could just play Perdomo against left-handed pitching, I think we would all be in great shape. And actually, I looked at his splits, thinking that I would see a dramatic difference. Really, there isn't. No, there really I, isn't a difference. It's really just Nick Ahmed struggling. He's improved in both areas, both righties and lefties, and I'm really impressed with Perdomo this season. He's uh, more than just the holdover for Jordan Lawler that I thought he would be. I, I mean, look, last year we were like wondering, is he going to be able to even hit something at AAA? He wasn't hitting the Mendoza he, line last he year. He had to play last year at a high volume because of no Nick Ahmed. But now I wonder if it's particularly this role that they've got him in. Or if he's just the better shortstop right now, and maybe they should consider less of Ahmed right now. Hold on, before you break, um, Gabriel Moreno is up to two home runs right now. Oh, are you updating everybody on our bet that we made? Only eighteen more. And then Sorry, the bet that I'm going to win. Maybe I'll have a lunch at the end of this. Wait, you said he was going to hit twenty home runs, Mitch. That was the bet. It was a bold do you, do you know who, Do you know that he like he's not a power hitter, Mitch? Yeah, he's a contact guy. He hits the ball hard, not in the air. Yeah, he's contact never hit, guy, single he's, setter. He's never hit more than four home runs at any location during a season. Okay, look, let me live I in my embarrassment. Stop. Where until was he gets this? Ten. What did you base this off of? And it why? It was a bold prediction segment. It was hopeful, but there's other bold predictions that would have made more sense. I don't get this. All one. my other bold predictions sucked. Yeah, and well, to be fair, both of uh, our bold predictions ended up sucking. We both said Scott McGuff would be the closer. That has closer. not happened. They don't even have a closer. Although right he's now. been better lately. Um, I don't remember what the... We both said that the, the team would lead the league in steals. I said McCarthy 30-30, and he's barely even been at the You said level. McCarthy 30-30. I forgot about that. <sighs> wow. It's okay. They're going to get two all-stars this year, so I think I'll hit on Mitch is like, hurry, go to break. Please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the top story from yesterday. DeAndre Hopkins released by the Arizona Cardinals. Could they really get nothing for the guy? It's next on Arizona Sports Saturday.